Hi, you're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of Scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Well, welcome, brothers and sisters. Another episode with Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. And uh, as of late, we have been covering the controversial topic of homosexuality and um, the agenda and how this has impacted uh, this generation and in a very powerful way uh, to the point now that a lot of this generation doesn't even know the difference between a boy and a girl. Uh, The enemy has so savaged the minds and the souls of this generation that they are not only debasing their minds, but they are literally mutilating their bodies. And we have to understand we're up against a shrewd and cunning and hate-filled creature, the very one who has come to kill, steal, and destroy. He hates God. He hates the image of God. He hates the roles and function of men and women. He hates marriage. He hates family. And he hates children. And that's the enemy we are up against, and he's at war with us. And so we must, of necessity, be at war against him. And keep in mind, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Our battle's not with flesh and blood, but it is mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so we have been discussing... That this particular abomination, this particular stronghold called homosexuality, which really is the sin and crime of sodomy. Now, I want to begin today. This is, this is the episode. I'm going to share the testimony, Can You Touch Me? And this deals uh, with a young man I met in Houston while we were ministering in Houston for a couple of years. His name uh, is Randy Fields. He was the leader of ACT UP and Queer Nation in Houston, Texas. And the Lord in his providence put us together. We became friends. And through that, God did a miracle Uh, in that young man's life. And I'm going to share that testimony. It's very interesting when uh, people respond uh, to uh, our podcast. Um, A few of them say, Rusty, we really want to hear more stories. And and I get that. Um, And and (laughs) here's my dilemma. Uh, Like some of our stories are so miraculous that, uh, you know, it's, um, yeah, people are going to be scratching their head. Is, is this possible? Well, 
I'm just telling you, we we do serve a Lord. He still does miracles today. And uh, but I know both friend and foe alike are going to be say, what are you actually presenting this like it really happened? Uh, yes, I am, because uh, it really did happen. And I don't want to be a liar like the devil. Amen. So anyway, um, I thought it was prudent as we begin this uh, episode to begin with the scriptures. And I'm going to go to Psalms 106 ver- and start with verse 35. And the reason why I'm doing this, brothers and sisters, is I want you to understand biblically when a nation abandons God to the point that they commit the brutal pagan practice of child sacrifice, the shedding of innocent blood, it opens the door to the demonic realm to savage the people and the nation that allows this abomination to take place. And so God's word says this, and this, he's speaking of Israel, the, the covenant people, uh, the chosen ones, they mingled with the Gentiles and learned their works. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. Now, listen to this. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. In the Old Testament, that was the altars of Moloch, the altars of Baal, uh, where they're literally offering their children to demonic idols. Who, and it says, whom they sacrifice to the idols of Canaan. Now, here is some of the consequences that take place when a nation commits this abomination. The land becomes polluted with the blood. Thus, they were defiled by their own works and played the harlot by their own deeds. So one of the clear signs that a nation has gone a whoring after other gods uh, is the pagan practice of child sacrifice, the shedding of innocent blood. The Bible warns it pollutes and it defiles the land. Now, here's the thing. It also angers the one and only true and living God. It says, therefore, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against his people so that he abhorred his own inheritance. And so what does the anger of the Lord look like in the real world? And we must understand, brothers and sisters, when a nation practices this evil, um, you know, the Bible says it angers the Lord. Uh, He will pour out his wrath. So what does that look like? Well, the scripture says he gave them into the hand of the Gentiles and those who hated them ruled over them. So we must understand the political ramifications when a nation uh, commits uh, this sin and crime against children who are made in the very image of God. And so this was very curious for me, brothers and sisters, because 
when I first got involved and crossed the line of obedience uh, to seek the Lord uh, to end the American Holocaust, I guess one of the strange manifestations is I went to death camp after death camp and uh, and knowing, you know, what the scripture says, you know, that um, when they sacrifice their sons and daughters, they sacrifice them to demons. So we must understand biblically that child sacrifice, the shedding of innocent blood, literally nourishes the demonic realm. And we see this so rampant uh, in the United States of America and in any nation uh, that practices uh, this brutal pagan darkness. And so one of the things that just popped out to me initially when I began to show up at these death camps, I was always intrigued because the majority of them were protected and defended by what we ended up calling death scorts. And these were, uh, for the most part, homosexuals. And that just, like, freaked me out. Like, I, 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 on the surface, I didn't get it. And I literally would go up to them, like, what possible reason could you be here um, defending abortion? I mean, if you practice homosexuality, you're never going to, you know, become pregnant. You, you, you're never uh, going to conceive a child. And so, you know, just on a natural plane, I, I, I didn't comprehend it. I mean, the only thing you guys are reproducing really is death. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's huge problem here. And so, um, what I began to understand, brothers and sisters, that sometimes the enemies of the Lord, they know this battle a lot better than we do. In other words, the homosexuals knew where they were getting their agenda empowered. They knew where their lust was being enriched. And it was at the place where children were being sacrificed and their innocent blood uh, is being shed. I mean, there, there are even billboards now put out by Satanists that are framing the abortion debate as a religious freedom issue. And so we must understand in this new progressive spirituality and religion, abortion is their bloody sacrament. So as we were fighting the battle in Houston, uh, we worked with several churches there and uh, we set up a beachhead at the Planned Parenthood that was on Fannin Street. And we literally had uh, an office set up across the street. And believe me when I tell you, every day was an incredible kingdom uh, adventure. And that death camp on Fannin would later become the monstrosity that now houses the largest death camp in the world. It's at seven story high, uh, Planned Parenthood in Houston, Texas. And it almost looks like an Aztec building of old. It's incredible how pagan uh, it looks. 
But anyway, you know, we had this office across the street. Uh, we ministered daily at the death camp, uh, seeking to save souls, to spare lives. We also fed 150 homeless every day. And so besides that, there was also uh, a college uh, behind the death camp. And that's where we would just go and do campus ministry. And we were so effective there that we actually even got invited um, to minister in their classes. So, you know, each day, you know, confronting the death camp, you know, feeding and clothing the homeless and, you know, evangelizing uh, on the campus. Uh, it was just uh, it was just powerful, brothers. It's like I could be here for days just recounting all the miraculous testimonies that God performed during those days. But it was through that ministry, this is how we ended up coming in contact with Queer Nation and ACT UP. Now, I don't know what you know about the homosexual agenda. You know, there's the political arm, there's the cultural arm, but Queer Nation and ACT UP, these were kind of the stormtroopers of the homosexual agenda. Uh, they were vile, violent, and extremely blasphemous. And so my first encounter with them came when I got invited uh, from a local radio station uh, to have a public debate with the manager of Planned Parenthood. Because her and I were going at it, you know, out on the streets and stuff like that. And uh, now at the time, I didn't know that this was a leftist radio station and I was somewhat being set up. I mean, the odds were definitely stacked against me, but I figured the Lord opened that door and so I was going to go. And so, you know, we had this debate. Now, here's the thing I don't know. Uh, while I was there, apparently Queer Nation and ACT UP found out about this public debate. And while we were having the debate, they surrounded the radio station. And so I'm inside having this, you know, pretty tense debate with the manager of Planned Parenthood. And here's the thing. I don't know if the radio station contacted them set me up but either way they found out i was there and they surrounded the radio station and my first wife liz could literally hear them surrounding uh the radio station and they were saying give us rusty give us rusty and it was like honestly it was so intense that the radio station staff, and even, amazingly, the Planned Parenthood manager, like, was concerned about my safety. Like, they were, like, they were trying to figure out how to help me, like, escape, uh, you know, being surrounded by these sodomites who clearly uh, had uh, ill intent, you know, towards me. And so, you know, I told the radio station and even the manager at Planned Parenthood, I thanked them for my, you know, their concern for me. 
uh, but I was just going to go and face them. And so, you know, they're screaming. There was probably about, you know, 50 to 75 of them. And uh, I finally came walking out of the station and they were there. And I just got on the porch. I sat on the steps. I said, my name is Rusty Thomas. I'm a minister of the gospel of the kingdom. How can I serve you? How can I help you? And they just launched. And, you know, just the blasphemy, the vileness. And I got to tell you, brothers and sisters, what happened here was reminiscent of how the Lord used to thwart uh, the enemies of old, how he would do something and they would turn on each other and allow God's people to escape. Well, as, as they're threatening me and all this stuff, uh, one of the sodomites had a hanger in their hand and they were going to throw it at me. And when they threw it at me, it boomeranged and hit one of their own. And this literally happened where they seriously began to turn on each other. And that literally provided the pathway for me to walk through to get to my van. Now, when I got to the van, I didn't notice it right away, but they had literally broken into my van and put a body bag in the van, you know, threatening uh, threatening to kill me. Uh, what I found out later was uh, one of our folks that was ministering at Planned Parenthood had actually gone covert and joined uh, Queer Nation and ACT, ACT UP and was giving uh, the church information uh, about, uh, you know, their agenda and their plans and things of this nature. In fact, she uh, actually saved my van from being vandalized. They were going to slice all the tires. They were going to do damage to the van. Uh, but she convinced them not to do it. And so, you know, God was really good. He, uh, he spared my van. He delivered me out of their hands. And just like the Lord, you know, passed through the midst of them, uh, I went through them unscathed. Um, but it was intense, brothers and sisters, honestly. And through my time in, you know, in Houston, it was not only like body bags sent to me, uh, they would come to our yard. They would hang up, you know, hangman nooses. Uh, the witches and warlocks would show up and threaten me and my family and uh, literally found my picture in like witching, you know, witches covens and new age stores. They literally would have my picture surrounded by all this de demonic paraphernalia. And so anyways, it was... Uh, to say it was intense is the understatement. It was a huge battle, and uh, but through it all, you know, the Lord uh, preserved us. He protected us, and a lot of great things happened. So many souls were, were saved. So many miracles were done, and, um, and a lot of lives were spared. So, you know, praise God for that. So 
anyway, we're we're moving along in our ministry in Houston. It's and this is at the time where uh, Clinton was president, and he had this ill-advised policy of don't ask and don't tell. And so we became aware of that. And so I contacted a lot of the pastors, especially pastors who were veterans and said, listen, get your uniform out of the mothballs. We need to hold a press conference and uh, denounce this ill-advised policy. And, um, and we had a, a good response. A lot of the pastors and the churches and Christians uh, showed up. We had a rally at a federal building in downtown Houston. Well, Queer Nation and ACT UP find out we're having this rally. And so it was literally like a Mount Carmel showdown. And um, so they're on one side. We are doing our best to honor the Lord and uh, to present our message. But there was so much chaos, so much confusion. They had their bells, their whistles, their pans. They were making all this noise. And anytime we tried to honor the Lord or our nation in some way, they would just erupt. And the media was out there. The police were out there. Um, it, It was, to say the least, it was very, very intense. So we did our best. We muddled through you know, we declared the gospel of the kingdom. We had warned Clinton and our nation not to do this. It's ill-advised. You're opening up the floodgates of more darkness and evil to savage the land. And uh, and I got to tell you, I had been fasting and praying for this probably about a week. And so once again, I was I was pretty sensitive. And I'll be honest with you, my heart really went out. Uh, to these homosexuals. And so at the end, against the advice of the other pastors, I went into their midst. And it kind of freaked them out, honestly, kind of freaked them out. And so I went to them and I said, you know, you really think that we hate you. And they go, oh, no, man, you're just the head Nazi. You're the head Nazi. And I said, listen, when Christians call you to repent of this abomination, that's not hate calling you. That is true love. We're loving you enough to tell you the truth. And truth is the only liberating force that God has given to men. And so this one homosexual, he was rather large, um, claimed to be a veteran. He might have been, I don't know. Well, he gets up in my face and he is just threatening me what he's going to do. All this, you know, dark homosexual acts he wants to, you know, perform and hurt me and violate me and and all this kind of stuff. And so he's like spitting on me and all this kind of stuff. And and I'm telling you, this is the setup, brothers and sisters. So they're all gathering around. They're formatting. You know, it's it's getting pretty intense, pretty heated. And it was almost like the splitting of the Red Sea. There's this scrawny young man. He's probably my height, but he is very, very thin. 
And he comes walking. And as he's walking towards me, the crowd parts. It was like the parting of the Red Sea. And he comes walking up to me. And this is what he says. He goes, hey, preacher man, my name is Randy Fields. I'm 25 years old. I'm a homosexual and I am dying of AIDS. And I got one question for you, preacher man. Can you touch me? And I said, Randy, I'm a minister of the gospel of the kingdom. We feed 150 homeless every day. People who pee on themselves and, you know, that, you know, stink the high heavens. He goes, what are you calling me, a bum and a derelict? I said, no, Randy, you're touchable. And I literally reached out to hug him, to hold him. Well, when that started happening, the demonic spirit in that one homosexual who had threatened me, it went ballistic and it started manifesting to the point the other pastors knew I was in danger and they literally came into the midst and pulled me away uh, to spare me probably a pretty bad beating. Um, so anyway, you know, obviously that was a huge like confrontation, like it was intense, but it was profound. And so I'm just going to tell you the, the way it went down, brothers and sisters, believe it or not. I'm driving away. I'm going back home. And I am telling you, seven times in a vision, I hear the words, can you touch me from, from Randy's lips? And every time I hear those words, this is what I'm seeing. I'm holding him in my arms while he is dying of AIDS. And I am just pouring in the love and truth of Jesus Christ to him. Well, that's how God is dealing with me. Well, little did I know, God is dealing with Randy. And so he, he had no way of contacting me, but he told me later he was so moved by my courage to go into their midst and share God's word with them that he, he wanted to contact me. He, he, he wanted to talk. And so he didn't know how to get in contact with me. So very interestingly, he contacts a ministry that we, we, we kind of co-labored with on the streets of Houston. And he hated this ministry. He, he would actually protest this ministry because they were leading homosexuals to the Lord. And so they were defecting from queer nation and act up and coming into the kingdom. So he hated this ministry. He protested this ministry, but he contacted them and said, hey, uh, do you know Rusty Thomas? And they said, sure, we, we work with him. So he asked them for my number. And so one day he calls me up. And of course, I, you know, I'm just totally blown away uh, that he would reach out to me. Well, through that conversation, brothers and sisters, God began to develop a friendship. And, uh, you know, I was clear with him, you know, obviously I didn't support the homosexual agenda, nor uh, his lifestyle or his practice, but 
I did use that opportunity to minister the gospel to him. And so, you know, we developed this friendship, this relationship. You know, we would call each other, check in with each other. And, you know, as time progressed, AIDS was taking its toll. He was getting weaker and weaker. And I could hear it uh, in his voice. And uh, one of our last conversations, he was telling me, I think he wanted to go to Atlanta. They were having a huge gay pride parade. And I knew, I knew he was close to dying. I knew he was getting close, you know, to step into eternity. And I'm like, Randy, do you hear the words coming out of your mouth? Are you kidding me? This lifestyle has killed you. You are a dead man walking. Snap out of it. Your last days on earth should not be about going to a gay pride parade. Your last days should be spent in repenting and turning to Christ for the salvation of your soul. And I, and I was, you know, I mean, I, I cared for him and I knew he was dying and I couldn't believe this was coming out of his mouth. And so, yeah, I did get upset, and I, and I got pretty forceful with him. Well, you know, he hung up, and he ended up contacting that ministry and said, Rusty's mad at me, and he got angry, and all this kind of stuff. Well, remember when I was telling you that uh, when I went away, and from that encounter, I, I heard the words, can you touch me, and... Um, I sort of had the vision of holding him in my arms while ministering the gospel to him. Well, that part didn't come to pass with me, but it literally did come to pass with an ex-homosexual who was dying of AIDS. Um, he was a part of that ministry that Randy had contacted saying, you know, Rusty's mad at me. He's angry. And so this one of these brothers in the Lord, like I said, that was an ex-homosexual. He also was dying of AIDS. He arranged uh, to meet with Randy. And three days later, the vision was fulfilled in the sense that this young man held Randy in his arms and ministered the love and truth of Christ. And he repented. He, he gave his life to the Lord. He surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways I know for sure it was a true salvation, once he turned to Christ, he would not allow any homosexual to visit him. And there's a testimony where his mom showed up and his mom was a Christian and she was praying for Randy for many, many years. But obviously, his lifestyle had estranged that relationship. And so, when the mother found out he had surrendered his life to the Lord, she came to visit him. And, uh, and there's Randy. He's in a fetal position. He's wasting away. He could barely talk. She walks in, and he looks at her, and he says, Mama, you don't hate me no more. You don't hate me no more. And she goes, son, 
I never hated you. You're my son. I love you. I just could not enable you in this lifestyle. It's wrong. It's sin, son. But I'm so grateful that you've repented and turned to Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And so God reconciled him back to his mother. And then three days later, he passed away. And so after that, you know, there's this incredible funeral. And you, you got to picture this in your minds, brothers and sisters. Half the funeral is queer nation and act up. And half the funeral is Christian. It was the most intense funeral I've ever been at. It was uh, incredible, amazing. And uh, kudos to the the minister who, uh, you know, shared uh, at the funeral. Uh, one of the profound statements that he made uh, was the funeral is not for the dying. It's for the living. It's a reminder that all of us have an appointment with death and none of us are going to miss that appointment. And he shared powerfully the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of course, Queer Nation and ACT UP did not receive that a message, Anon, with joy. And so, you know, they were doing their thing. Um, but anyway, it was a powerful funeral. And, uh, you know, eventually we uh, left Houston. I pretty much got uh, eaten up, chewed on, spit out, stomped to the ground um, through the many battles that we waged there. And so the Bible says when they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. And that's literally how we got to Waco, Texas in 1994. And this is the place we have put down some roots uh, for our family. It's been good for us. We praise God. But anyway, brothers and sisters, that is the, the powerful testimony of can you touch me? And if you maybe know of somebody who has been captured by homosexuality and is in bondage to that lust, perhaps you might want to share uh, this testimony with them. And perhaps God might be pleased to come to them with the love and truth of Jesus Christ and set them free as well. Well, that ends another episode with Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. You keep pressing on, brothers and sisters, to that high call and prize in Jesus' name. God bless you.